This episode of the Locked on Giants podcast is brought to you in part by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trina here with you, and it is our Thursday show. So it's uh, May 20th, and joining us on the program today is Dan Hatman. He is the director of the Scouting Academy, former um, NFL personnel slash scout guy, worked with the Giants, and um, really no has a great program over at the Scouting Academy. I'm proud to say that I've taken two semesters at the Scouting Academy and planning to take more down the line. So, Dan, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to come on with me. Oh, it's fantastic to be here. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure, Dan. And on today's show, folks, we're going to talk a little bit about the the Giants draft hall. We're going to talk about some of the new uh, veterans that they've added. Dan's got you know, expertise in that area, and we're going to get his opinions and also kind of see where this roster is headed and how the Giants can maybe take some of these uh, players that they've added in the offseason and just really up their overall performance. So, Dan, let's start with the Giants draft of this year. I mean, Trader Dave, I mean, if I had told you at the start <laughs> of the draft that, Dan, that Dave Gettleman would, would trade either up or down in the first three rounds of the draft, you probably would have had me committed, I bet. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Wasn't uh, Dan J. or Maya with, you know, the, the right turns in NASCAR happening first? <laughs> Something like that. But um, yeah. you got to like what he what he did, though. I mean, because, you know, one of the, the common things a lot of people said about this draft versus next year's draft is next year's draft apparently is going to be so much deeper across the board. And to get those 2020 two draft picks is just it's like better than gold if there's such a thing and being better than gold i mean your thoughts on on the value that dave was able to get in trading you know all over the board trading up trading down yeah it's it, it, you know it's really um, to me it's optimal strategy to continue to add top 100 picks as best you can that's where you're going to get starting players um, most rosters are not one player away so why not continue to add as many um, quality potential starters as you can in that range and so to do that and then to accumulate more picks again the the, the discount rate as you look at the future picks being what it is able to go back and then pick up another first along with other assets um, really you know really unique opportunity now whether or not next year ends up being a better class. Um, there'll certainly be more players without a doubt. This was a very uh, thin class in regards to numbers. That said, and just talking with some of the people that are doing the, the spring work, uh, the information that ultimately goes to teams at the end of this month, it does not sound like there was a whole bunch of 
you know, top 50 picks that returned to school, you know, that were eligible to come out. So um, anyway, it sounds like it'll be a, a fine draft class next year. I, I do think it's a smart strategy to trade back um, regardless. Now let's talk about the picks though, that they did get, you know, they traded down with the bears um, or swap places. I should say with the bears dropped down to 20 and they got Kadarius Tony who, for what it's worth on my draft board, which I know is probably doesn't it obviously didn't match NFL draft boards, but I thought Kadarius Tony might even be like even lower first round draft pick, maybe second round pick. Do you think the Giants got good value there with Kadarius Tony? And what can he bring that maybe their their uh reported target of Devonta Smith, the guy that they reportedly wanted, what's different about his game than Devonta Smith's? All right, so a couple of things. One, the most draft classes don't have 21st rounders. Um, and so when you start to get into the back half of the first round, a lot of times you're taking basically equivalent of a second round player um, just because there's 32 picks. And there, therefore, there will be 32 guys that are technically taken in the first round. It does not mean there are 32 players that are quality first round picks uh, with Tony you're looking at a first round athlete without a doubt um, his movement patterns his skill set very unique obviously the the knocks against him are going to be size and the consistency of his production you know and talking to people about him it wasn't this year that was a problem for them uh, the argument being made was Tony was probably the best athlete on that team from the second he walked on campus four years ago. And so why did it take him until last year to produce? And, uh, you know, knowing that will be the key. What clicked last year, how to continue to extract that. And then ultimately the value of the pick is based on utilization, which means it's not as much about the skill set of Tony as it is the football character of Tony mixed with the creative mind of Jason Garrett. Like, will Tony be a professional and will Garrett use him well? If those two things check out, be a great pick. Those two things don't check out. We're going to be looking and scratching our heads. How should Tony be used um, by Garrett? What's the best use of his talents? So he is a player that creates in space. Um, I usually like to talk about guys that can exploit the space created by others. So if a team's going to play a lot of zone with big voids, that's going to be great for him. Um, obviously, you're not going to get that all the time. You're going to have match, you know, man match, zone match principles, just straight man. You're going to want to protect him from in terms of release. So you're not just going to align him on the ball at X and let DBs just hit him right away. You know, you're going to put this guy in motion. Hopefully you're going to get him off the ball, use bunches and stacks, uh, you know, go through the backfield and then, you know, run him out and all sorts of different things to get him into matchups, to get him into space. And then it comes a lot to just route concept design. Uh, and that's where Garrett's going to have to come in is, is, you know, being able to have a vision of what the defense is going to do to try to stop you. And then it's, you know, I, I like the analogy of poker as it comes to play calling. Like, you know what you have in your hand. You think you know what they have in theirs, and then you bet accordingly. 
And so, you know, you think you know what a defense will try to do based on what they've done to others, and then you call accordingly to try to put those things together. Um, it's not that Tony can't create his own space. He just has not run uh, a dynamic route tree um, on a consistent basis. You know, again, a lot of, of the things that he did came on, you know, uh, you know, mesh concepts and screens and all sorts of things where you just get it to him now. And then it uh, kind of turns into like a punt return, you know, and just let him, let him create and go from there a little more of an off structure player. And that's fine. We've seen plenty of those come through. It's a great college profile. And then a lot of times, again, it's, it's, will they learn those nuances and continue to apply those things such that they can work in structure as well. Um, and he's shown glimpses of that. It's just the consistency of it, which is, again, no different than any other player. Um, but when you have guys like Devonta Smith that have multiple years of production, and then you have a player like Tony that's got the one year, you start to try to figure out, okay, well, why was one player able to consistently produce and another player only came on recently? Again, if it's some coach really got a way to connect to him, great. How did you do it? Like, what did you do to get him to see it? Did it just finally click for him? You know, what was happening there? Uh, and those kind of things are critical off the film, right? The film gives us the question, not the answer. And so, so much of this process is done with your scouting team working through the people around the player with the player themselves so that you can put together a plan. You know, I'm a big believer you should never draft a player without a plan on what to do with them. Um, and so, you know, I would hope that they've got that all put together. Yeah, and also, you know, I believe Tony is fairly new to the receiver position. He was a high school quarterback, um, so I think he's only played the position for, what, about three and a half years, so still learning. And he he alluded to that, actually, when he spoke to us in the post-draft, or after he was drafted, I should say. He he mentioned that, you know, he was asked about that, and he said, you know, I'm still learning, I'm still growing, and he said he was looking forward to coming in and, you know, picking the brains of the veterans around him, as well as, you know, the coaching staff. So I'm sure that factors into the equation as well. Absolutely, and it's it's good that he, um, you know, he has got that awareness of what he needs to do. And again, this isn't a, a, a thing with Tony. It's literally every player that got drafted a couple of weeks ago. You know, Jerry Angel's got a great line. Are, are you going to be an athlete playing professional football or are you going to become a professional football player? Mo many, many players come through. They're great athletes. They play for a little while, but they don't stick because they, they never fully become a professional football player. And then the names that become household names that we all know are the guys that, that stuck and they, they took care of their body and they took care of all the off field and they, they learned all the playbooks. And they learned why they things happen the way they happen. They, they, they created more than one solution to, to how to solve problems on the field. And they just went through all these different levels to it. And so he, like everybody else who just got drafted, it all remains in the air on whether or not they'll take those steps to build that kind of consistency, that consistency. Yeah, hopefully it works out for them. I mean, they they're loaded at receiver now, which uh, you know they really you couldn't make that argument last year and say that they were loaded. And I think that affected how much eleven personnel they were actually able to run, and and um, you know it, it just had a trickle down effect on their their offense. Folks, you're listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trena and special guest Dan Hatman. He is the director of the Scouting Academy, a former NFL scout 
work with the Giants for a little bit back in the day. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, more from Dan on the Giants draft class. Stay with us. With the ever-increasing number of auto makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait for the counterperson to order the parts on a computer, usually choosing the brands that the store happens to prefer? Instead, take your search for your auto parts to rockauto.com. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for all your auto parts and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpeting. Whether it's for your classic or daily drive, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Hey, Giant fans, this is Patricia Trainer, host of the Locked on Giants podcast. If you're looking for a way to keep Giants football in the forefront during this offseason, pick up a copy of my new book, The Big 50 New York Giants, The Men and Moments That Made the New York Giants. This 350-plus page book takes a deep dive into the rich history of the Giants franchise, covering every era with stories, photos, and more that take you behind the headlines. The Big 50 New York Giants is available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, triumphbooks.com, and wherever books are sold. Pick up your copy today, and thank you to everyone for your support. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked on Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you, and I'm joined by Dan Hatman. He is the director of the Scouting Academy. He runs an excellent program. I've taken two semesters of the Scouting Academy, learned so much about what to watch for in evaluating football prospects, so I highly recommend the program. Dan also did some work back in the day with the New York Giants as an intern in the personnel department, so really good insight and uh, evaluations coming from Dan here as we break down the New York Giants 2020 draft class. Dan, let's talk about the second round pick, Aziz Ojulari, who right now I would say is probably my favorite pick and probably the one that I could see really having the biggest impact on, you know, offense or defense. What do you see in him? What do you like about him? And and then above all, the Giants haven't really had a homegrown pass rusher take off like wildfire since Jason Pierre-Paul. Can this kid break that trend? He is uh, incredibly long in terms of his arms. I know his height's not um, necessarily in a in a unique range, but he's 
really long-armed and really understands how to use those to his advantage. He's incredibly uh, bendy. So think of all the joints, the ankles, the knees, the hips, all of those things move unique even of you know NFL caliber players. So when you have a long arm, bendy player, uh, seems like a smart player, uh, seems like a tough guy, uh, really was used in some unique ways. And they showed some versatility with him. Uh, it's certainly going to be a solid contributor. Now, whether or not it takes off to that next level, you know, that gets to be a bit harder. Um, you know, I didn't quite see a uniqueness to some of his you know, um, acceleration, foot speed things to, for that to be a win, winning trade on its own. He's, he's good in that camp. But again, let's not think of it as binary. There's layers to it, right? And when you start talking about like a, a Von Miller in his peak or a Khalil Mack, you know, it's really unique get off. And then you start adding things to it. Um, I think he's good in a lot of those areas. He's got good discipline and technique. Uh, he still has to develop some more things. One of the things that gets a little bit concerning uh, will just be, can he develop some some power counters to it? And you can do that off of speed. You can start with speed and then go to power. It's not just a size thing, uh, but continuing to add that to it because you, you want to be able to keep tackles off balance. Right. Uh, think of, of an offensive lineman in pass protection. They're basically a defensive player, right? They're trying to set up this wall between them and this oncoming series of rushers and protecting their quarterback. And all defense is easier when you know it's coming. So if you're an offensive lineman, you're preparing for them right now as an NFL player, you know the kind of things that are going to come, right? He's going to rush C-gap. He's going to come off the edge. He's going to try to soften your outside arm. He's going to try to bend. That's where his game is. And it was very effective on the, in the college level. A lot of those players he's going against are not going to play tackle in the NFL. So as he's playing against guys that are only playing tackle at the NFL level, he's got to add some more to it. Again, it's no different than any other player. Um, they, they all have to continue to add this part to it. Um, so I don't know if he'll have, you know, like the year one explosion of 12 sacks and, you know, making a Pro Bowl from that standpoint. But you can definitely see the traits to his game that can continue to come along and immediately contribute and then hopefully continue to develop. In terms of um, the rest of the draft picks, who really excites you from, from, you know, Aaron Robinson down to the two six round picks? I mean, is there, is there a guy that you think is just kind of flying a little bit under the radar that's going to really, you know, surprise a lot of people? You know, I think it might actually be Ellerson Smith, um, just a really unique frame and, you know, athletic skill set. Um, be fascinating to see how it gets factored into this particular defense. You know, it doesn't, uh, his profile doesn't necessarily fit what we've seen elsewhere, but I think Patrick's been very creative. Um, and again, I don't think they took this player without necessarily a plan, but of, of, a, of a stature and a skill set and, and someone, you know, when you're starting to get towards day three and wondering, you know, who could work towards some uh, starting ability, that's one I'm like, huh, you know, again, it might not be year one, 
but you are looking at a situation where, you know, you do have some guys in the D line that are going to be free agents next year. And again, hopefully um, by that time, he's able to step up uh, and earn a spot so he can be a, a serious com- uh, link, a competitor moving in the next year. What about um, the Aaron Robinson? I mean, this this is a guy who I thought was kind of intriguing, a little bigger slot cornerback, um, has had a little bit of experience, I think, playing on the outside, but primarily was a slot cornerback. I mean, were you surprised that they added another cornerback because they were stacked at that position? This draft, um, and again, it's always interesting to watch the evolution of a head coach and the general managers that grow together. Um, But you can't look at this class and not think it's anything other than the passing game wins. You got a first round receiver. You got a second round pass rusher. You got a third round corner. You got a fourth round pass rusher. You took free agents in Galladay. You took free agents in Adoree. You know, you're bringing back guys like McKinney that are coming off the injuries. Like it just over and over and over again, they are preparing to deal with the pass. It create their own and stop others, um, which is today's game. I have absolutely no problem with it. I don't think you can have enough defensive backs. I don't know what that point would be where you'd be like, all right, we've got enough because one injury, you know, a lot of times, especially, you know, if you look at New England, I know we keep tying Patrick there, but obviously it's part of where he's, you know, come up in things. And certainly with coach judge, um, there's a lot of six defensive back personnel packages that New England employs and rightfully so in a lot of situations. And then you look here at the Giants roster, you have the ability to have six, or in some cases, maybe even seven um, defensive back packages as needed, and then still have enough depth that if a guy or two got injured, you can still play, which again, I, I just don't think you can have enough from that standpoint. And, I, and like, I love some of these, um, these I, I'm going to call them hybrid in terms of defensive back, you know, McKinney's and Logan Ryan's, uh, and, and even to a point, you know, Julian Love with, you know, we can play in the slot, we can play back, and we can, you can do some different things with these guys, because it just gives you such flexibility that when an offense wants to go put out players that could be a matchup problem, you can go deal with that. We were talking about how do you create things for Tony? Well, uh, you know, other teams have players like that, and then do you have players that can stop them? And so, now, loading up on defensive back, I thought was, again, another smart move. Yeah, I mean, the old theory was you could never have too many pass rushers. Now it's you can never have too many receivers and too many defensive backs because you're right. It, the league is evolving into or has been evolving, I should say, into a passing league. And, you know, it, it's just amazing how back in the day running backs were a higher premium and now they've kind of leveled off a little bit and the, the priority is now on receivers and tight ends and defensive backs and, and pass rushers. But um, let's t- turn now to some of these veteran guys that they added, Kelvin Benjamin, Corey Clement. I mean, I, I got to start with Kelvin Benjamin because I, that one was a little bit of a head scratcher for me. This is a guy who hasn't played since 2018 He's coming in now. He's trying to learn a new position, you know, t- going from receiver to tight end where the inline blocking alone, I would imagine, is, is, is going to be a challenge for him. I mean, what did you think of that, that signing? I think it's, 
you know, you got a GM that drafted this player. They have a relationship. Um, you're just going to be more willing to do that with people that you know and that you've worked with. Um, I'm sure there was disappointment on everybody's side at the way things kind of went for him towards the end of his tenure with, with Carolina and just how he's taking care of himself. And I would imagine he's had to prove to them throughout the last few months that he's serious about taking care of his body and he's serious about playing. And obviously they didn't promise him time at receiver, but said, you have a chance to compete at tight end and, and all things considered, my guess is they're, we're not going to be talking about him doing a ton of inline. You've got Rudolphs and toy Lolos and what have you. I think it'll be more for a big slot basically, is what, you know, I would look at it as, um, you know, you've got some players that are smaller that can play in there, but, having some bigger, uh, bigger frames in there is, is certainly not going to hurt. I mean, again, for years, Jimmy Graham was called a tight end. There was not a whole lot of inline blocking <laughs> happened from Jimmy when he was, uh, when he was producing so well for the saints, for example. Uh, and then again, you're, you're looking at um, a position at tight end that is just universally thin. Those body types are hard to find that can play. Um, that can carry that weight but still move and and physically tough that are not playing another sport or things of that nature. And so, you know, with the roster size being as large as they are and you're still having a pool of other players that are going to be on the street that you've done work on, you know, I don't think it hurts to come in. We'll give you a shot. You can try. Um, and basically the second it goes bad, there's there's no harm in cutting bait. And again, it's not like there's not a pool of players ready to jump in and take that, that spot on a 90 man roster. Uh, so I, I don't see it as a high risk, you know, move in any way, shape or form. You are listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trena and special guest Dan Hatman of the Scouting Academy. And when we come back, more on the New York Giants draft as well as what the future holds potentially for this roster. Stay with us. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, regardless of the sport or the major event. Bet online also covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, offering real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you enter the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your sportsbook experts. Hey, Giant fans, if you haven't tried the all-new Built Bar, you're really missing out. They offer an amazing assortment of flavors, both of the nut and nut-free varieties, which is sure to appease any taste. Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they really taste like you're eating a candy bar, except you're not. You're indulging in a low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber treat that's great for the keto diet or any diet plan you happen to be on. So head on over to BuiltBar.com and enter the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. 
Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked on Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you, and my special guest is Dan Hatman of the Scouting Academy, and we are talking Giants draft, Giants roster, all things Giants, and who better to talk about this stuff with than Dan Hatman, the director of the Scouting Academy and a former Giants personnel intern back in the day. Dan, I've got to ask you about the running back spot, because I think Outside of offensive line, which I'll get to after this, but running back still concerns me. You know, they they say that Saquon Barkley is on schedule, that he's making progress from the torn ACL, but there are just so many questions specifically, you know, because Saquon Barkley was such a special player. He could do things that the average running back just wasn't capable of doing. And, you know, if he loses any of that burst or that explosiveness that makes him so unique, he basically becomes just another running back. I mean, realistically speaking, in your experience, can he come back from that? And and do the Giants have enough depth behind him now to where, if God forbid, he's not ready to do 100% of what he needs to do in this offense? They have options. Well, with the way... You know, just looking at the way he built his body and the things he's done over the last few years, uh, I would imagine he's attacking this um, with high intensity and doing everything that's needed to get back. So I do believe you, you know, you can come back. Others have. Now, because others have doesn't mean he will. And everybody's unique. You know, that's where you got to really work with your medical team and your trainers and stay on top of what all that stuff uh, looks like. But I certainly wouldn't bet against him coming back. Um, obviously, if he comes back and is even 95% of what he was, it's still going to be um, you know, a really good skill set. Obviously, if he drops below that, you start to move towards closer to the pack, and that would be disappointing for all of us. The depth, I, I can see that. Obviously, they believe in Devonta Booker. Just look at the money put out there. Um, so they clearly have belief there, which is fine. Um, Obviously, the proof's in the pudding when that stuff comes through. The other thing that happens at this time of year is every team built, you know, as much depth and competition because they can with these large roster sizes. But we know that's not what we're going to carry into the fall. So the attrition from a roster standpoint only continues to expand the pool of players. And so, you know, this is what you bring to camp. But this doesn't mean this will be what week one or week two running back room looks like. There's still a lot of time. There's still a lot of moving pieces. You know, guys could get cut and they could claim them and what have you. Um, so there's a lot of that that could happen. But yeah, if, if Saquon didn't come back, if he re-injured things or just suffered a different injury, just the nature of the, the game, um, you know, I don't think you'd be looking at the, a bell cow situation where, you know, we can we can put it in the hands of this running back and we'll go. But again, we just talked about they're shifting. It looks like all their chips to the pass game. You know, all the other resources went to the pass game. So I imagine if they if they lose Saquon, they're just going to stick with the pass, right? They're going to put the the ball in the hands of Daniel Jones and say, "You lead us to this, uh, not Saquon." In fact, that everything's built to say that it'll already be in Daniel's hands and not Saquon this season. Yeah, and that Daniel Jones, you know, big season ahead for him. But you know. We have to talk about the offensive line because I, I think that's the one spot that I think a lot of people, including myself, were surprised that they didn't add to. And, you know, Dave got on a conference call with us a couple of times and said, hey, you know, 
we like what we have. You guys might not like it, but we do. And I look at what they have and I see question marks as to who's going to play right guard. You know, how are they going to sort out the left guard spot? And, you know, because they've got two guys in Shane Lemieux and Will Hernandez who have mostly been career left guards. And then, you know, if Matt Parrott doesn't work out at right tackle, can Nate Solder, who was away last year and who has been pretty much a career left tackle, can he flip over there? I mean, are these legitimate concerns or am I missing something? It's a it's a harder position to stack players in on just the old Parcells uh, <laughs> universe um, situation. There's just not enough people in the universe that are that athletic and that size, and uh, it's really hard to have a ton of depth at these positions. So, to your point, the names you brought up, they're looking at it and telling themselves, "We've got three tackles for two spots and two guard." And, I'm sorry. Three tackles for two spots and three guards for two spots. Um, and they feel like they could start with any of them and be successful. Yeah, they, I mean, they've they've shown over and over again with the way they've allocated resources through free agency in the draft um, that the you know the board didn't come to them in such a way that they felt like they had to or needed to. Um, and, you know, they certainly, again, didn't put any money behind it. Um, I don't really think the money put the Zach Fulton, you know, blow the bank or anything like that. Um, so yeah, they're, they seem very comfortable with what they have. Uh, at the same time, you're obviously banking on improvement because what has been shown by many of those people in the past was not consistently stable in terms of being positive the flashes, no doubt about it. But uh, that's to me a, a very large question mark. The two question marks for me on the roster are the line and the quarterback. You know, and both of them taking the flashes and turning that inconsistency. If we think back to a few minutes ago, we're talking about Tony. We talked about you know being a professional football player. Most of the question mark is the consistency, right? You you got on the roster because you showed signs of doing it, but that's not what keeps you there. What keeps you there is the consistent ability to do it against all competition in all situations, regardless of the circumstances. Um, and, you know, for both of those positions, O-line and quarterback, which are very, very, very important to team success, strides are going to have to come. Now, when you talked about a new staff and a COVID year and limited development time and everything else, you know, I imagine the, the line of logic is that we'll have real time with these people and not have all those other things going on around it and have some stability with the coaching staff and have some stability with this room. And that should help all these players take those steps. I imagine that's what you're, you're talking to yourself about when you're building that as your strategy. And now it just switches over to execution. Can they make that happen? Because if they can, then obviously then everything's work good. You know, if the alliance good and everything else they put together is good, then yay. Um, but if that doesn't come through, it's going to be rough. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Dan, final question for you. The Giants have put their faith in Daniel Jones. They they have said that he has improved. Um, you look at the numbers, though, and I know you can't base everything on numbers, but you just look at the production because this is a production-based business. And, you know, they say that they see improvement in him. Do you see that improvement in him? And if so, where exactly has he improved in terms of, you know, his production and what he's able to do on the field, you know, or what he was able to do last year versus as a rookie? 
Yeah, I think what gets to be hard for all of us as external evaluators is you don't know what he's being taught to read and what he's processing well. And so if he was making faster pre and post nap diagnosis, he was making faster decisions in their estimation or what have you, um, there'll be some indications of that. But a lot of it is is really up to them in that room knowing what they asked him to do and how well he executed it. You know, just watching, eh, there's more TV scouting. It's not a player that I studied in depth last year, but um, some of his more dynamic plays just were on it with his feet. You know, it was him him running um, that created a lot of things. And so it wasn't necessarily the on structure in the pocket all the time. Um, Now, part of that has to do with him. Part of that has to do with the protection. Part of that had to do with the issues with the skill position players and what have you, his own injuries, obviously, at one point. You know, to me, that's one of the harder parts to look at his in-year progression last year was his own injury and then coming back and, and not knowing exactly what you know was going on there and what impact that might have had and trying to judge how he's playing through that. You know, what you know, really where was he physically during that time? I think it's, I guess, be hard as an evaluator. It's one of those biases I, you know, I try to remind myself of and talk to people about you know, a lot of us take our preconceived notions into this. So again, you know, it wouldn't have been my pick. That not that matters. It wasn't my pick. It's theirs. So I try to remind myself that just because I didn't necessarily see the vision, it's their vision. That's great. They just have to execute on it. So I try to go into each season with a blank slate and say, well, it doesn't really matter what I thought before. What does he do now? Um, I have that luxury because I can wait. I can wait till it happens. They have to predict, right? That's the be- that's the difficulty of the team building. It's not wait and see what happens and then oh, okay, that's how it worked out, right? You have to predict what these human beings are going to do in the future, and obviously they are projecting success. Yeah, and this is going to be a big one because look, John Mara didn't come right out and say it, but it's playoffs or bust for this team, and you know, I, I just maybe you'll disagree here. I don't know, but. If they don't get to the playoffs and have a solid season, I could see them tearing all this down and starting over again, which I hope they don't have to, but I would not be surprised if that's what it, what it, what it comes to. They're a, they're a very loyal organization, and they usually like to see their people finish the, the line of logic. Um, obviously, when they push their chips in the table on Daniel, it was now let's build a team for him that can win. Um, again, just looking at the roster and imagining conversations that they feel like they've built a team that can win with him. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot of people's jobs attached to that performance. Again, not that that's dissimilar from 25 other teams in the league, but at the end of the day, um, this is a results business. It just, it is what it is. And so um, ownership usually has to make sure that they um, understand their, their fan base's expectations and, and desires and, and hold that to some account. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of um, a lot more expectation on this year than any of the prior three. Indeed there is. And Dan, listen, this has been great. Really appreciate all your insight as always always glad to have the opportunity to speak with you about giants about football about scouting whatever the case may be folks you can find out more about the scouting academy by visiting scoutingacademy.com you can follow dan hatman on twitter at dan underscore hatman 
And uh, he's always posting little video clips and some information um, from the film studies and various things that are going on over at the Scouting Academy. So definitely check it out, folks. You will not regret it. Make sure you tune in tomorrow for an all-new episode of the Locked on Giants podcast. Until then, folks, have a great one, and we'll talk to you soon. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked on Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked on Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.